6am rise and shine let's talk sports and welcome to the grind And good Wednesday to you, and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Hump Day edition of The Grind. Excited to be in here. A lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, A lot of fun stuff to talk about. Positive stuff to talk about. Baseball is on the horizon. July 1st seems to be the new date when Major League Baseball and the Union have, have agreed that they can start training camp with a launch date opening day of around July 23rd, 24th timing. So that's pretty exciting. It seems like uh, the two two sides have at least agreed to disagree and decided to to get baseball underway. We'll talk about the ins and outs of that, what that's going to look like, uh, you you know, how any caveats that's come with this. There's some new postseason rules. There's some extra inning rules that's going to be talked about. And then there's some DH stuff. Uh, that'll be different this season. So uh, talk about all that on on the next segment. Uh, but to kind of open up today, one wanted to revisit a topic from yesterday. So the Bubba Wallace story uh, got a little bit more information yesterday. FBI released a statement saying that uh, the noose or garage door opening rope uh, had been there. Uh, video footage showed that it had been there since last October, the last race at Talladega uh, Motor Speedway. So at that rate, uh, not that it's okay for something like that to be there, but uh, it, it had not been placed there uh, Saturday night just uh, in Bubba Wallace's stall. So, uh, again, not that that's good information, but that is information. Uh, again, they, they said that it was fashioned in the way of a noose, not, not loosely a noose laying in the, the garage area. And, and, you know, a lot of people yesterday was kind of bashing and, and saying, you know, I I don't know. I think it was, you know, a publicity stunt. It was NASCAR's opportunity uh, to jump in there and make a statement. Um, so, okay. <laughs> I, I guess my opinion is, and, you know, do I have one? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a- almost forced to have one, right? My opinion is, what what did it do? What did it do? What did it force the issue over the weekend? And and in my opinion, it forced the issue, is NASCAR unified or do they say they're unified? Do they believe in this? Are they going to act on it or, or is it just talk? And I felt like NASCAR took a step in the direction of this was, this is legitimate. You call our number, we'll show up. Um, and, and and I thought, you know, regardless, you know, if that was what it was, if it was some form of NASCAR, Bubba, whoever, publicity stunt, okay. What well, called everybody else in the garage area's bluff about whether they believed in equality or not. So I still think it's a, it, it's a win for NASCAR because it showed, you know what, you put it out there and we're going to come, we're, we're going to support whatever we need to support because it's what we believe in. And, and I, I believe that. 
you know, I may be wrong, and and I, I guess maybe I think the best of people sometimes. But you know, it's it's okay. It, it's it's okay not to always be pessimistic. I know my wife's listening to this, going, "Is this the same Wayne I know?" Well, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I'm I'm usually uh, I, I my faith in I always tell her my faith in the human race is being being tested. Uh, I, I'll say this: the 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 decisions and the and the way things were handled was was top shelf. You know, whether it was w- whatever this looks like, you know, whoever planted, whoever thought, whoever called it such, that that doesn't bother me because ultimately it's like, where do you stand on this issue? If if an act happens and you have to respond, do you sit on your hands or do you do something? And I felt like NASCAR did something, so. Uh, that's my take on it. If it was, if it was a ploy, if it was, if it was just a, a an opportunity to snag some headlines, well, Lord knows, I, I'd rather talk about that than a lot of other things. So, uh, at the same rate, uh, you know, I'm uh, that's where I'm at. I'm I'm indifferent on it because uh, does Bob, Bubba Wallace have a uh, have a legitimate claim uh, being in NASCAR, being the sole African American? Absolutely. Should he be be shown the respect of of the rest of the drivers? Absolutely, and, and should he have the confidence in his fellow drivers that they they stand with him in racial inequality and things like that? Absolutely, and he got that. And, and I think you know it it was put up or shut up time for a lot of drivers, and, and they put up. They they did what they needed to do, what they felt they that was right for them. And uh, and and again, Bubba Wallace was just the the driver. Uh, that that was there you know I, I I think you look at it uh minorities have been in NASCAR a lot even even now Daniel Suarez I mean uh, I, I think they would have done the same thing if it was Daniel Suarez they would have done the same thing for Juan Pablo Montoya you, you know I, I think you go down 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 the list uh minorities in NASCAR is not something new but it is something that that has to be questioned and recognized from time to time just to just to realize uh, the validity of that and the impact of of the sport and, and and so on and so forth. So this is a little news update from the Bubba Wallace story as the FBI rolls that out there yesterday. So uh, again, I think they're going to correct that at, at Talladega. Of course, I think they did that pre previous to Sunday's race, but or attempted race, but uh, definitely before Monday. But now uh, I think other tracks will go to their garage area and understand. Did somebody, you know, is there what was thought to be probably a harmless, you know, tie something off in a in a in a in a news fashion because oh look at that that's that's funny that's not funny <laughs> it's not funny it's 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 derogatory and and you know it's just not what you need to have so I, I'd say a lot of tracks coming up is going to just check those things out look in their garage areas see if anything's been fashioned and I use quotes right there fashioned. In, in that form, so uh, I think that'll be something that they grow out of moving forward. Uh, but we're, we're going to jump back to Tennessee. Uh, today, we're going to have a pretty strong uh, Tennessee presence. We've got 73 days until it's football time in Tennessee, so that'll be our finale uh, for today. Trey Smith days until it's football time in Tennessee. We'll talk about uh, talk about him. We'll talk about you know who wore 73, what happened in 1973, and then the, the NFL Hall of Famers. Uh, that are inducted as a number 73 in Cantons. But today's opening topic, uh, a lot of freshmen got on campus. You know, whether they were early enrollees or finally got there in the summer, 
Uh, made it to campus there a couple weeks ago. You know, the start of the training camp, or not training camp, but reintroduction uh, to campus there on June the 8th. And Monday, uh, they released the numbers that new incoming freshmen uh, would get. A full list of freshman number assignments. Two players uh, can have the same number as long as they're not on the field at the same time. So you may see some duplicates across the field, uh, but the new freshmen, uh, these are the numbers that they'll have. Number one is back to a wide receiver position. Malachi Weidman uh, will take over number one. I know Jason Swain yesterday talked a little bit about the number one being back in, in the hands of a baller, and I think Malachi Weidman is exactly that. He's a, he's a stud. He's a guy that can go get it, and, and you know, he, he takes over the number one uh, after Marquez Callaway. And, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, you can see an ebb and flow. But Weidman, uh, Tennessee's freshman receiver, take over the, the Marquez Callaway number, uh, the Leonard Little number, the Jason Witt number, the Jason Swain number. Uh, I mean, a lot of people's worn number one and had, had a lot of success at Tennessee. So uh, we expect a lot out of, uh, out of the incoming freshman uh, Malachi Wideman, number nine, previous, you know, just recently vacated by Tim Jordan, will be picked up by linebacker Tyler Barron. Uh, so again, big body to big body. Uh, Tim Jordan again exits based on some uh, some legal issues that he had during the the break, and uh, and now it will be linebacker Tyler Barron that picks up number nine on the defensive side of the football. On the offensive side, it's going to go to wide receiver Jimmy Callaway. Uh, number nine will will go from running back to wide receiver on the offensive side of the ball. Ball, uh, Jimmy Callaway, another one that we expect big things out of. Uh, a long guy, a guy that can go get it, and uh, one that you expect uh, will make the number nine shine a little bit uh, for the Big Orange. Quarterback Jimmy Holiday will rep number ten again. The Eric Ainge number. Uh, trying to think of other number tens. Uh, the, most recently, Tyler Bird wore number ten. Uh, so that number is is prevalent in recent Tennessee history, and uh, just hope that that number ten quarterback has the same uh, tenacity that Eric Ainge had, and uh, and maybe some of the toughness uh, that um, that Tyler Bird showed from time to time. A uh, number fourteen cornerback Keyshawn Lawrence, uh, number fourteen. That's a that's a big shoes to fill in that defensive backfield. Uh, wearing number fourteen, first guy really to wear number fourteen since Eric Berry's departure in two thousand nine. Uh, again, those are when I looked at that number, I went, does he know what he's biting off? <laughs> does he know what the last guy that did that uh, went into? I mean, he was he was near NCAA uh, interception return yards leader. Uh, I think he sits number two all time in that list. Uh, but number 14, Keyshawn Lawrence uh, will be suiting up for the volunteers this fall, hopefully. Um as his new number that's uh like I said I I just I love I love when kids want want to step into those numbers I just say uh, it's a big number to step into uh Harrison Bailey one of the more touted uh guys in this class just because of his early enrollment status his uh his hype his athletic ability quite honestly his arm strength etc number 15 Quarterback Harrison Bailey officially uh, gets that number. He got it in the spring, but again, uh, you see it officially assigned to him now. Uh, number 15, another one of those numbers that you've seen throughout the years. Uh, you, you know, a lot of guys have had 15, uh, but, uh, you know, most recently, Jawan Jennings uh, rocked number 15. So we'll see if the quarterback position can be as, uh, as, uh, 
I don't know, as as gritty and as tough as uh, Jawan Jennings was uh, rocking the 15. Uh, number 18. So that was previously worn by, by Nigel Warrior. It'll now be worn by safety Danico Slaughter. You go from Warrior to Slaughter. I think that is now the new the new uh, awesome name number uh, setting uh, because you know it, it's also had guys like Dale Carter on it. It's also had you know like I said uh, Nigel Warrior on that number. Uh, you look at all time 18s. There's a lot of good ones. Uh, again, in the professional ranks, one of my favorite players is number 18. But but nonetheless, you look at 18 and uh, Danico Slaughter at the safety position. Uh, we'll be rocking that. So, again, uh, a defensive backfield prevalent number, and it'll stay right back there. Number 21, Jalen Hyatt. Uh, that's uh, that's his new number. Uh, number 21, I've seen a lot of good players wear that number. Uh, Austin Rogers wore that number uh, back in the day. Uh, you've seen several. And you've seen it worn by running backs. You've seen it worn at a lot of different places. But now it'll, it'll set in the wide receiver room and uh, wide receiver Jalen Hyatt. Hyatt. Number 29, Tamarian McDonald, safety. Uh, that's his new number. Jabari Small, running back, number 33. So uh, Small will get little man's number, if that makes any – if that's a play on words. Jabari Small, number 33, that's what he'll rock. And uh, in my in my man cave slash Tennessee room my, – my little boys call it the Tennessee room because everything on the wall is Tennessee. I've got a picture of little man Stewart over the top, uh, you know, with uh, – with, I believe, yeah, Andy Kelly uh, standing in the backfield with his hands up. He knew when he had left the when he left his feet that it was a touchdown. And uh, so, nonetheless, uh, Jamari Small has some some little man feet shoes to fill. But uh, nonetheless, he'll rock the number thirty three uh, for Tennessee. One of the more interesting numbers because you know you like to liken a certain number number grouping uh, with a with a certain position. Uh, Demarcus Beckwith, uh, a two-sport athlete, wide receivers, what he's listed at here, will have number 34. That just seems odd to me. That just seems like a running back, H-back, linebacker kind of number. But nonetheless, he's going to go with 34. I like it. I like the number. I just think the association with a wide receiver uh, just sounds funny. Uh, Running back Lenneth Whitehead, uh, he'll, he'll go with number 35. Uh, most recently uh, worn by a linebacker, uh, worn by uh, Daniel Batuli, uh, but he'll uh, he'll take it to the running back room and carry carry the battle uh, to a linebacker uh, in Laneith Whitehead. Uh, number 40, linebacker Martavius French. Uh, number 44, running back T. Hodge. He carries 44 from Maryville High School to the University of Tennessee. Uh, when I saw that, I was like, good, good. A big-time running back. Uh, where you know wore forty four for the Vols and and what I, who I'm talking about is Chuck Webb, and, and when you 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 talk like I'm friends with Chuck on on Facebook and and he's on there as Chucky Webb, and I just hope T Hodge you know between uh, getting getting healed up post the the 2019 state championship uh, for the Rebels uh, in 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 healing that turf toe, I hope he gets an opportunity to to get in there, ease his way into that running back room and then quietly become a force that, that we all knew and loved uh, over here at Maryville. I mean, the kid's, the kid's special. And, and, again, you know, I think sometimes you see D1 talent and you're like, oh, yeah, he's big. Well, T was big, T was fast, T was elusive, and T was smart. 
And, and I think all of those things are, are recipes for a successful running back at the next level, and he's had the opportunity to pick up a big number. So if he does anything uh, to the liking of the former 44, and 44 has been worn by a lot of people, but when I see 44, I see Chuck Webb. Uh, I, I see T. Hodge having some success uh, with that number as well. Long snapper Will Albright will wear uh, 46. The last 46 I remember being very successful. Alex Ellis, uh, when he caught that uh, trick play uh, touchdown, fake field goal touchdown, uh, I can't remember, just a few years ago um, in, a, in a very close football game. Linebacker Bryson Eason uh, will wear 55. Morvin Joseph will wear Kurt Majit's number 56. Uh, I think that's that's a that's a nice number to be on that big guy. Uh, defensive tackle Omari Thomas will wear 58. Uh, 58 is a Todd Kelly number uh, for for the Vols. Uh, 59 defensive tackle Dominic Bailey, uh, and then offensive lineman Cooper Mays, uh, not Cade Mays, will wear 63. Uh, offensive lineman James Robinson will wear 71. Javantez Sproggins or Spragans, however you say it. Offensive lineman will wear 76. And uh, Reginald Perry, defensive tackle, will wear big number 89. Uh, love the new numbers for, for, for Tennessee. Uh, if I had to pick the ones that I like the most, it, it would be Malachi Weidman at number one. Uh, it would be Danico Slaughter at 18, and it would be T. Hodge at 44. But uh, the big question was a lot of, I think, Beckwith, uh, and maybe even Wideman wanted to wear the the number zero as this year it's been made legal uh, for for universities to have the number zero on the football field and uh, and all all eyes go to who's going to be the first to wear that number so we'll see uh, who it is obviously it's not going to be a freshman uh, is it going to be an upperclassman because there's only one first and I I don't expect it not to happen this year so we'll see if anybody makes a number shift and who that may be as they look to open up the uh, the history of number zero at Tennessee but uh, after we talk about these new numbers uh, let's get us a quick break listen to these great sponsors when we come back we'll talk about Major League Baseball what the season's going to look like some caveats that's going to be be added to and then what is a champion going to be looked at like after just 60 games uh, in play. We'll talk about that on the flip side of the break. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, and streaming at WKBL.com. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. Your hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM. Rocky Top Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming. But Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. At The Blunt Partnership, we're working to keep people safe and informed about the recent outbreak of COVID-19, the coronavirus. We know that as members of the community, businesses are experiencing unexpected challenges, and we're committed to providing as much support as possible. 
find business and community information on our website at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. In uncertain times, you can be certain of this. The Salvation Army is serving those most in need with help and hope. Thanks to your donations, the Salvation Army is helping those affected by COVID-19. Those who've lost wages, who have no home to retreat to, who need food, help with utilities, and most of all, hope. To see how you can continue to make a difference, visit SalvationArmyUSA.org. Have you heard about or seen the Grand's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grand from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. Whitlock & Company Certified Public Accountants features accounting services for individuals and businesses. Serving Blount County for over 30 years, everything from income tax preparation services to personalized accounting plans for small businesses and large corporations with over 100 employees for a full range of accounting services including payroll processing, bookkeeping, individual and business tax returns, compilation review and assurance services. It's Whitlock and Company, PC, 375 Fountain View Circle in Alcoa, Tennessee, 37701. Phone 865-984-1040 or 865-981-9638 or visit Whitlock and Company online at whitlockcpa.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is Sports Radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports. Welcome back inside the WKBL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Grind. Something I haven't been able to say for the last few weeks, baseball is upon us. Uh, looks to be like people will report to training camp and, and, and kind of season opening kind of events. Uh, on July the 1st, we have a date, people, and it is going to happen. Major League Baseball will hold opening day either July 23rd or July 24th, and players will head to training camp. 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 Wow. 
East Tennessee rocking right there. Training camp uh, in a week after the league and the union on Tuesday agreed on health and safety protocols that will govern the sport as it attempts to return amid a coronavirus pandemic. Nearly three months of frustrating and failed economic negotiations ended the league's implement by implementing a 60-game season that will run through September 27th and feature a number of new protocol. Uh, the same 10-team playoff structure will be used. They had talked about expanding that, but will not. Uh, that's been used for almost a decade. Uh, the lack of a deal between Major League Baseball and the Players Association led to the league imposing a schedule as was it right in a March 26th agreement that also guaranteed players a fully prorated portion of their salary. Major League Baseball on Monday told the union it planned to impose a schedule as long as the players would report to training camp by July 1 and codify uh, a health and safety manual uh, that runs more than 100 pages. The players agreed to both on Tuesday and said all remaining issues have been resolved and players are reporting to training camp. That was a, a union tweet uh, Tuesday night. Uh, the season's success probably depends on Major League's ability to contain coronavirus spread, an issue in health and safety protocol uh, covers in immense detail. Many pages on the way they're going to address uh, positive testing. Addressing everything from travel to social distancing to, to a ban on spitting, the manual is as strict guide uh, for 2020, as we've seen, and the and the difficulty of pulling off such is going to be uh, fun to watch. Uh, said if it can, Major League Baseball in 2020 will look radically different. Teams will play their four divisional opponents ten times, and each of their five interleague opponents in the same geographical area, four games apiece. So again, that'll make up. You know, your four divisional will get 40 games in, and then five times four is 20. That's how you get to 60. The National League will use a designated hitter, so no pitching, uh, no pitchers will hit. And in extra innings, teams will begin with a runner on second base. So those two pieces alone. So so the National League using the designated hitter, which I'm, a, I'm an American League guy, so pro-designated hitter. Uh, but – I don't understand. I'm sitting here and I'm like, so they're saying that's less, you know, interaction, if you will. So I'm like, but what does the, why is the pitcher so different? You know what I'm saying? Like all the other people have to go out on the field and have to hit. But that one difference is, I just don't understand in, in the effort of health and safety, how that's helping anything. But I just think it's funny. So if you have an opinion on that, if you agree with me, or maybe you can talk me off uh, the the kind of crazy spot I'm in that I'm like, is this just doing something to do something? But anyway, uh, give us a call, 865-983-4310. Again, that's 865-983-4310. The extra innings team will begin with a runner on second base. I get it. The team or the 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 season's going to be shortened. Uh, a lot of people haven't played. They probably don't need to jump right in and go like 14, 16 innings. Understand that, but I, I just think it's it's a little gimmicky. It's a little uh, it's a little uh, adult league softball-y, which I'm not opposed to because you know I kind of prefer that too. But I do think it's a little odd because you're you're sitting here and you're like, all right, so we just you know we're not interested in being there all that long. 
uh, you know, we're just going to put somebody on second. We're just going to do that. Well, why don't we do that? You know, if the game's out of hand, let's let's just have like a, you know, you only get four pitches or something every batter when a game gets out of hand. I mean, I feel like it opens those doors that that you can kind of manage the game however you want. So uh, I'd like to understand what purists think, and I'll try to over the next couple of days dig in and see um, what what people are thinking about the the runner on second base with extra innings. I just I think the the number of games that go extra innings to that degree. You know, you have a lot of like 10, 11 inning games, but you don't have the the fifteen, eighteen inning games, whatever, uh, very much. So are you really? What are you mitigating there? Uh, the trade deadline will be August 31st, less than a month after the regular season is scheduled to end. Uh, so they, they, of course, it usually is July 31st, so they've pushed that out. Um, and, and it will be now August 31 uh, to get that, that pushed out. Rosters will start at a 30-man uh, roster for the first two weeks, then go to 28 for the next two weeks and stay at 26 uh, for the remainder of of the season so kind of step it down to 26 man roster uh, as the season progresses so really if you start july 23rd you're going to go till about the 12th uh, well maybe the 10th of uh, uh of august which with 30 man you're going to go tw- almost to the end of august uh with uh with 28 man and then you're going to play for a month uh with 26 that's kind of how that's going to work Teams will have a taxi squad that allows them to have as many as 60 players available to play in major league games. Uh, again, I think this gives an opportunity for double-A, triple-A players uh, to have an opportunity. And, and and like other people have said last night and this morning, you know, I think if you're not on that uh, – if you're not on that plus 30, plus 32, plus 34 uh, situation, uh, if you're a minor league player, you got to see the writing on the wall. Uh, that that you know the time unless you're just fresh green just got signed um, the opportunities are probably getting a little limited for you so I think I think this is going to be real re- revealing for the minor league players as well as uh, as give some of these these uh, older players that's been in the minor leagues for a long time give them some opportunities uh, some guy said is this an opportunity for the Mets to get Tim Tebow up there to sell tickets I don't know that they're going to have fans in the stands to sell too. So I, I don't know that that's the that's the case or that's what they're after. Uh, but it is a possibility. So uh, you know, yeah, I think you look at it and uh, we'll we'll see if Tim Tebow makes his major league debut uh, in 2020. It would it would be like 2020 uh, for that to happen. It's just uh, uh, I I saw something yesterday. It was a meme that said the most useless purchase in 2020 uh, was a daily planner, <laughs> and I was like. So true, so true, so true. I wonder if you, next year they'll sell them for 20% off because you didn't use two months of it. But uh, there will be a special COVID-19 injured list in 2020 for Major League Baseball with no minimum or maximum length of time spent on it, while standard injured list stints will be for 10 days and the typical 60-day stint will instead be for 45 days. So they have made some uh, some adjustments. 10 days, 45 days on the standard injury. And then there will be a, a COVID-19 list that, that has no, no end time, no start end time uh, for, for that. It'll be basically uh, once you're, to get you cleared. Uh, but as the phone lines light up, let's see, let's see what they're thinking on this, uh, on this Wednesday morning. Hey, you're on the grind. All right. Good morning, Wayne. What's up, man? Uh, just uh, enjoying this little drive to work here. Well, I hope we're helping. 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> I uh, I don't know if they're going to let fans into the game, but I did hear something about players' families could go and something like that. But they, they I don't think they've announced if the fans can go yet. Yeah, and and there's still a hurdle basically for for the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't know if you've heard that. So they this whole deal is basically like U.S. agreed upon. So like Toronto, there's still some some they there's still some scheduling that's got to be figured out to how are they going to be able to play in Canada? Or are they going to have to play all their games in the U.S.? You know how do you how do you mitigate those waters? But I'd heard the family uh, would be able to go as well. So. I don't know. I don't know how you open it up because it's kind of like NASCAR was on Monday night. They let 5,000 fans there, and I don't know how many ended up coming back for the Monday run. But when the when the race was over, uh, nobody was social distancing, nobody was wearing masks, and they were all at the, uh, at the flag stand. So I, I, don't know, I don't know what that tells you about what you – can, you can gap people all you want at the start of the game, but I don't know that you're going to keep them there. Right. I mean, you tell you tell me if uh, take your team for instance, if Aaron Judge hits a walk off grand slam, how many of them you think are gonna, just going to give air high fives? Yeah, I know, right? You know like, what I'm saying? Like they'll have to have like plexiglass boxes or something. Like yeah. you'll have to make it. Well, uh, in New York, they probably need that. Well, yeah, I was going to say it's not that it's unneeded. Like it, it wouldn't be unwarranted. And just be, could you imagine the judges' chambers? With uh, with these partitions up that you know, yeah, I'll that be like, be... I'll be like, look, they're sequestered. Look at that. Right. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, you have a great day, and I'll see you soon. I appreciate the call, man. No That's Mister Jason Ward on the on the radio, but you know, I, I think that that that's a good start. Get some fans in the stands from a family standpoint, because you know they're going to be interested. You know they're going to be willing to watch the game. Uh, but how do you? How do you how do you mitigate that? I I, I don't know. I, and I don't know that anybody knows. Quite honestly, I, I think it's a it's a matter of you can do some things. I mean, just just from what I, I deal with at work every day. You know, there's there's five thousand employees there, uh, and they're they're doing temperature scan. They're doing some level of questions of of who you've been in contact with or whatever. And then we're wearing face masks, sanitizing everything all the time. But at the end of the day. Like, this is all going to be based around liability. Uh, and, and and I hate to be that way, but, I, I mean, I think as a business, that's why Ohio State's having the Buckeye Pledge. That's why uh, a lot of schools are just saying no fans. That's why, you know, Major League Baseball hasn't really got into that so much publicly. Uh, it is what do you do if you have a rash outbreak in the fans? How do you deal with that? Who's liable? How do you – how do you, you you take those hits or deal with that? Uh, and, and so I think that's that's all going to be water that I think NCAA football and and NFL and even NBA are going to be closely monitoring because uh, here coming up in a few months, uh, both of those entities are going to have to deal with how they uh, they work through that. Uh, but uh, there will be uh, coronavirus concerns around the sport have kind of kicked up the last few weeks as as. Teams start doing some testing and doing different things. Uh, seven players, five staff members of the Philadelphia Phillies have tested positive. Three Colorado Rockies have tested positive. And, and, and so it's, it's going to be one of those deals to where it's a reactionary time right now in sports. It's, it's not necessarily is somebody going to fail. 
is somebody going to get a positive test? Because, And I say that because a positive test in my book, and my book's really small, really thin, not a lot of pages. Uh, but in my book, anytime you, you create criteria or you, you test for something, you would much rather catch a, a harmless side of the, the situation than to pass potentially a low, low risk part of it. Does that make sense? You would rather get a false positive than get a false negative. And, and I think, I think in some ways, you know, it's just like Clemson. Clemson's got 21 positive tests. And, and my understanding is the majority of those are asymptomatic. Statistics don't work that way. You, you, don't, you don't have people coming from all around the country and they're all asymptomatic. I think there's, there's some level of asymptomatic. There's some level of, of false positives. And so that, that's just muddy water that's going to have to be navigated through. But uh, basically looking at this players association thing with Major League Baseball, it says players will be tested every other day even if they're asymptomatic after a positive test, uh, according to the health and safety protocol, uh, the behaviors outlined in the protocol, every, everything from, from pitchers using a wet rag to moisten their fingers uh, to, to licking the, the fingers before you throw the baseball to, to wearing masks in the dugout, no spitting, all this stuff is being looked at. Players recognizing still signed off on the protocol, uh, recognizing that it's going to be very difficult, uh, and, and then – Basically, uh, I think they were in ready to end what what has been kind of a, a tumultuous. I don't want to call it a battle, but really like a spat uh, over the last few weeks, few months uh, between Major League Baseball and the Players Association. Uh, but players deemed high risk because of pre-existing conditions will be allowed to opt out of any season uh, this this year and get paid and maintain their service time. Uh, players without such designations can opt out opt out but will forego salary and their service record. Uh, under the imposed season, players will receive their full pro-rated uh, rated salary, a sticking point in negotiations that pretty much stalled this thing out for a couple weeks. The players never budge from their stance, and they will receive a total of around $1.5 billion, respectively, about 37% of their full season salaries. Whoa. $1.5 billion is only 37%. That's a, that's a moment. That's, that's a statement. Uh, players will not receive forgiveness on the $170 million salary advance they received as part of the March agreement, and they are owed no bonus money uh, from the postseason. Two items that the league had offered as part of a deal that included the players rubber stamping uh, the expanding of the playoffs from 10 to 16 teams. That did not happen as well. The players sought a 70-game season in which they would receive $50 million in playoff revenue as well as a cut of the 2021 uh, new money from TV rights and expanded playoffs. That, that did not happen. Uh, all potential deals fell apart amid uh, some, some really really good inver- in, in, uh, interesting conversations uh, over the last few weeks, but it did come to an end Tuesday. Uh, even with the players expected to file a grievance against the league for not staging uh, as full a season as possible, uh, the league's likely to counter with a grievance of its own. So I, I don't know that the mudslinging is done just yet, uh, but looks like we're going to have some baseball uh, move uh, move forward. Uh, as Rob Manfred said, Major League Baseball is thrilled to announce that the 2020 season 
is on the horizon. As 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 anything would happen, as season announcements come, uh, the New York Yankees and the L.A. Dodgers are slated as your odds-on World Series favorite for this shortened season. They reopen as a 7-2 favorite to win the World Series, both the Yankees and the Dodgers, according to Caesars Sportsbook, and the Houston Astros are third favorites at 11-1 odds. Players and staff will start traveling to training camp sites as early as the weekend, most of which will be held in home stadiums for a July 1 check-in. Rosters will unfreeze Friday afternoon, leading to potential trades and free agent signings. And if all goes well over the following three weeks, baseball will be back uh, for a 60-game schedule that will be played in 66 days, a season shorter than any the sport has ever known. So uncharted territory, to say the least, for Major League Baseball. But nonetheless, fun times on the horizon as baseball is upon us. We now have NASCAR. We have a plan for baseball. We have a plan for basketball. We have a plan for hockey. And uh, hopefully, uh, if we can get another month of, of success out of this uh, this uh, social distancing and, and, and easing back into the facilities, Hopefully college football is hitting the deck sometime in July as well. But uh, we're going to take our last break of the day. Listen to our fine sponsors. Baseball's upon us. But we're going to flip gears and go back orange on you and talk 73 days until it's football time in Tennessee. Trey Smith days until it's football time. We'll talk it all on the flip. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, and streaming at WKBL.com. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming. But Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. America is really heating up, and that requires serious fans to cool you down. Rule King has a complete cooling collection at the lowest prices every day. The two-speed direct-drive fan with heavy-duty motor is now just $109.99. Don't need that much power? A 20-inch box fan is now just $14.99. You can buy online at RuleKing.com and we'll bring it to you when you arrive at your neighborhood Rule King, America's farm and home store. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. During the Safer at Home order, Knox Area Rescue Ministries has continued to provide a home to those without one. It's shown why CARM is an essential business in our community. CARM Stores was recently designated as an essential business as well. 
Farm Stores, thank you for your previous support and are excited to announce the reopening of donation centers and stores. As we resume receiving your generous donations, we recognize that business might not be completely as usual. We will continue to monitor guidelines from local officials and practice safe social distancing recommendations. We appreciate your continued support of Knox Area Rescue Ministries and CARM stores as we remain dedicated to serving the homeless, needy, and vulnerable during this time. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blunt County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, and I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007, or you can check out their work online, 42sd.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007, or online at 42sd.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. Your local Blount County Community Food Connection is still open serving local families in time of need and hardship. We provide prepackaged groceries to help meet your nutritional and dietary needs. The Community Food Connection is open Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday from 10 a.m. until noon for drive-up delivery only. Residents are asked to remain in their vehicle so that our volunteers may safely distribute the food. Directions as to how to enter and depart the facility will be clearly displayed. We thank you for your cooperation and look forward to serving you at your Blunt County Community Food Connection. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. Welcome back inside the WKBL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Hump Day edition of the Grind Wednesday edition right here in the WKBL studios. But 73 days is where we sit at our countdown to football time in Tennessee. And again, uh, everybody's like, are you sure there's going to be football? Well, there is till there ain't in my book. So uh, I'm counting it down as we're, as we're going to be live on September the 5th. But 73 days until it's football time leaves us at guys like Will Offenhusel, guys like Lee North, Charles Rader, all 73s for the Vols. Will Offenhusel, uh, he, he wore the 73 from 99 to 02 
was a mainstay on an offensive line in his four seasons on Rocky Top. The 2002 All-SEC first-team selection played in every game of his collegiate career, 50 for the Vols from 99 to 2002, starting 31. A team captain in 2002, he also earned third-team All-American by the Associated Press as a senior. He started every game his last two seasons at UT. Uh, asking players why they wore the number 73, Lee North said, number 17 or number 73, sorry, was my high school number. Uh, so when I came to UT, I asked for it. The number 73 was a lucky number for me. I felt that after wearing 73 for four years in high school and four years at UT, it was my number and she became a part of me. Uh, today, people will come up to me and remember my jersey number. He said, that's a special feeling uh, to receive uh, that kind of uh, remembrance uh, from great UT fans. Uh, Charles Rader wore the 73, 54 through 56 offensive lineman. He said, I wore 73 because it was assigned to me as an offensive tackle, defensive guard when I made the varsity squad. As, chem as a chemistry major, I had to acquire a working knowledge of the German language. This became quite useful during our game since offensive blocking assignments often changed with the specific defense uh, used against us, uh, our opponents most likely would not know German. So I taught the guard and end beside me enough German to enable quick communication just before the ball snap. Uh, this marked diminished uh, ability on the defensive side and some mental errors that led to us ruining some of their defensive schemes since we knew for sure what each other was doing, uh, but they couldn't understand our German. Uh, the dividends were quite rewarding, he says. So, again, uh, creativity uh, goes all the way back uh, a long time, but definitely in the 50s. But you look at all-time 73s, uh, good names that wore 73. Bob Crunkshank, uh, 41. Tom Drost, 1946-48. through 48. Frank Giles, 51, national champion. Uh, Charles Rader, 54-56. through 56. Johns Warwick, uh, 57. Uh, Ken Frost, 58 through 60. Dale Brown, 1961. Bob Zavolarin, uh, 1962 and 3. Terry Bird, 1964. Gary Melton, 65 through 67. Ben Bass, 1968. Galen Hill, 1969 through 72. Greg Phillips, 73 through 76. Mike Cunningham, 1977. Lee North, 78 through 81. John Bruin, 1983, Joel Farmer, 84 and 85, Doug Baird, uh, 87 through 90, Trey Peterson, 92 through 95, Josh Campbell in 1998, national champion, uh, Will Offenhusen, uh, 99 through 2002, Michael Fogg, 05 through 07, Preston Bailey, 2008, Brandon Gallion, 2009, and Darren Gooch, 2010 and 11. Uh, you look at the who wears the number 73 now, you don't have to look far. There's billboards, there's All-American honors, there's there's great memories of a number 73 by the name of Mr. Trey Smith out of USJ University School of Jackson right here in Tennessee, the 6'6", 335-pound mountain of a man. Uh, senior on the football team wears number 73, an All-American uh, left guard who will enter his senior season as one of the top returning players in the Southeastern Conference. He opted to come back for his senior year to attain his degree, a uh, promise he made to his mother, and improve his draft stock, continue to lead 
Tennessee back uh, on top, as he said. The number one rated player in the nation in the 2017 uh, recruiting class, Smith became the first Vol true freshman to start at left tackle in over 30 years en route to freshman All-American and second-team All-SEC honors as a true freshman. Sideline during the offseason of 2018 with blood clots, he returned to start the first eight games of 2018 before having another stint uh, with blood clot issues. He returned again to lead the Vols back to a bowl in 2019, appeared in 32 games with 31 starts in his career. Uh, he, he's been a, a big spearhead for, for drives at, at Knox Area Rescue Ministries in 18 and 19 and has been named a member of the SEC Community Service Team. Here's some honors that the three-year player at this point uh, have going into his senior season. He's the 2020 Fritz Pollard Trophy winner, 2019 All-SEC First Team AP and Coaches, the 2019 Jason Witten Collegiate Man of the Year finalist, uh, he was a 2019 uh, Pro Football Focus College All-SEC second team selection. He was a 2019 Warful Trophy preseason watch list member, uh, SEC co-offensive lineman of the week multiple times, and then the Pro Football Focus SEC offensive team of the week member, 10-14-19, uh, so back in October. Uh, 2018 SEC Community Service Team, member of the 17-18 Vol Leaders Academy, a 2018 Outland Trophy watch list member, preseason All-SEC first team, ranked the number 59 among Sports Illustrated's top 100 collegiate players in 2018. Remember, that was a season shortened by medical issues. He was a 2017 Freshman All-American, a 2017 True Freshman All-American, uh, All-SEC in 2017, Coaches all-SEC second team in 2017, and then a field steal All-SEC second teamer. So uh, the guy's decorated. The guy's a monster, and he's a mover of men. Uh, I think it's funny uh, when people are called that mover of men, but if you see this guy, uh, there's there's pictures of him on social media because in this uh, in this push for for Black Lives Matter and for, for racial inequality to kind of come to a halt, uh, he's been a spearhead in the Knoxville area. Uh, did did some stuff on Market Square and really really spoke up and and put I don't want to say put money where his mouth is, but put action uh, where his words were and and got got out there and was doing some work. So he continues to do that for Tennessee. He continues to do that for East Tennessee as a community, and he'll continue to represent well uh, as we head to this 2020 season. But a senior again out of University School of Jackson out of Jackson, Tennessee, uh, Trey Smith. This is, a, this is a big year for him. I think uh, showing another year of health uh, will go a long way in his NFL draft stock. I think even if, if this is a shortened season or if it's an altered season, I think production proves well for him, and I think he'll move forward and do just fine in whatever he does. But you talk about Pro Football Hall of Fame. I like to remember, I like to remember and mention – uh, some key number 73s. Larry Allen, uh, guard tackle that was inducted in the class of 2013. He played 14 seasons, most of which for the Dallas Cowboys out of Butt Junior College. 6'3", 325 pounds. Larry Allen was drafted by the Cowboys in the second round, 46th overall in 1994. In 12 seasons with Dallas, he led the way for the Cowboys and Niners 
single-season rushing records, Emmett Smith in 96, and then Frank Gore in 2006. He was named a first-team All-Pro seven straight years, first-team All-NFC six times, elected to 11 Pro Bowls, named to the NFL's All-Decade team of the 90s and the 2000s. So a class of 2013 in Shawnee, he said, my objective is to make the other guy quit. You can tell when it's starting to happen because he stops rushing as hard. And when you run block, he doesn't resist as much. And like when they have to keep rotating three or four people into a game to try and find somebody to get the job done, I know I'm winning. I love that that statement because that's a mentality. That's not a that's not a let's do this for four or five plays. This is sixty minutes of you don't want none. And and I love that uh in that conversation. You talk about another number seventy three. Uh, in guard, uh, John Hanna, uh, another guy that, as my computer just completely locks up, John Hanna played for the Patriots. He said, to be great, you have to forget about pain. If it's not going to hurt you permanently, it's cheating your teammates if you don't play. Uh, I think that's a that's maybe a little little heavy, uh, but at the same time, the time he played, uh, that's, that's what you had to think. John Hanna played 13 seasons, was enshrined in Canton in 1991, but out of Alabama, 6'2", 265, two-time All-American. He was a first-round draft pick in 1973. He excelled as a pass blocker, run blocker, and a pulling guard. Uh, renowned as a premier guard of the era, was All-Pro 10 years, 1976 through 85, elected to nine Pro Bowls, four-time Offensive Lineman of the Year. And he was born in Canton, Georgia, went to Alabama 13 seasons, and then he was enshrined in Canton, Ohio. Uh, another guy, and this will be the last one we talk about on the number 73s. I'm trying to look at these names and see who I need to who I need to jump to. Uh, Larry Little, uh, he was a guard. Again, another. Let's let's back up. It's showing him as a 60 number. Canton website's got to get it got to get it together. When you look at Stan Jones, Stan Jones looks like he was a 73. 13 NFL seasons was enshrined in 91 as well. Uh, he was out of Maryland, 6'1", 252, an All-American tackle in 53. The Bears' fifth-round future pick in 1953. He played tackle uh, for one year, played guard for, for about seven years, and began the shift to defense in 1962. Uh, he played in seven straight Pro Bowls, first to rely on weightlifting to attain football readiness. Uh, and out of Pennsylvania, um, Mr. Mr. Stan Jones is in Canton, Ohio, as a number 73. But with a minute to go, we'll talk about the year 1973. In the year 1973, O.J. Simpson becomes the first player in NFL history for, to rush for more than 2,000 yards in a single season. Uh, in, in January, Super Bowl Seven saw the Miami Dolphins win 14-7 over the Washington Redskins to complete the only perfect unbeaten, untied season in the history of of the National Football League, did it in front of the L.A. Coliseum in front of 90,182 fans. And then the USC Trojans, Southern Cal, uh, won the national championship over Ohio State to claim the 1973, probably the 72 season national championship. But that's the year 1973 uh, in baseball. You saw the, the uh, Oakland Athletics win over the New York Mets to win the World Series. And NCAA basketball, UCLA and Bill Walton got the NCAA championship. But that's 1973. 
And I hope you've enjoyed it. But at the top of the hour, you're going to have Jason Swain. But if you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care, be safe, and yes, grind on. We'll see you tomorrow.